Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman. And today, very special episode where we get to show how smart we are. Kyle Porter is here. KP, hello, sir. How are we doing, Rick? I'm well. How are you? Well, the pip is out. I didn't I didn't win anything this year. Oh, um, oh, oh for two. Did you see it? Did you see it? I just saw uh as we were coming on here that Morikawa finished 11th again. Do you have the do you have the top 10 there? Would you like yeah, to reveal Morikawa- it to the people? Morikawa finishing 11th is the new Ustazen finish second at a major. It is tough scene. Although I thought uh, this year they get, or is that next year it goes to 20? It's this year. Okay. So he's going to get something, so he, isn't he? He made three mil. Oh. I mean, oh, the horror. He was tweeting like it was, it was horrible. <laughs> uh, uh, Tiger got first. Yeah. No, no surprise. Nine rounds, $15 million. Pretty sick. Rory got second. Yeah, 12, 12 mil. Who, who do you think got third? Boy, uh, this is fun. I so usually you have all the knowledge, you have all the I information, know. and I have none of it. And now it's the other way around. John Rom, he got fifth. Justin, no, Thomas. he didn't get any OWGR points for it either. Mm, JT, uh, JT got fourth. Oh, who am I not thinking of? You got to be good. You got to move. The- oh, Scotty Scheffler. <laughs> he got sixth. Come on, that's a joke, come, right? I mean, come on. Who, who are we talking about here? My boy. Oh, Jordan Spieth. Yeah, he got yeah, there. Nine, nine mil. Uh, Scheffler, Xander, Fitzpatrick, Zalatoris, Finau, Morkawa, Lowry, Kisner, Homa. Kisner beat Homa. Uh, Horschel, Ricky, two mil. Adam Scott, Jason Day, Patrick Cantlay, Victor Hovland. Then they had this addendum, this the new measurement criteria. And Hideki, Cam Young, and Sam Burns also got two mil each. What what is the qualification and calculation in which Kevin Kisner beats Max Homo in anything? Or Hideki? How how is Kevin Kisner beating Hideki in a in like a? I mean, it, what's tantamount to like? Uh, it's not a popularity contest, but it's a who's bringing the most people to our product contest, right? And but I mean, the the formula is like, I mean physics i don't understand it it's like calculus uh so i i don't i don't know i have no idea because he's like because he was in a few videos with rigs on twitter or something 
Yeah, there's a lot of that I don't understand. There's a lot about the golf swing and golf in general that I didn't understand until recently. KP, uh, there are a lot of books behind you, and you and I have read uh, one more this yeah. past couple of weeks, and we got him. We got the guy whose name is on the cover. You've probably heard his voice on PGA Tour Live, maybe on PGA Tour Radio, maybe in some axe-throwing championships. Uh, it's Will Haskett. Let's bring him in. Oh. A slide. Hello, Will. <laughs> I said I was going to do it. I did not uh, I did not factor into the pit measurements either, boy. But yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> We can talk pit. I mean, I'm, I've been pimping books for two weeks, two months, however long it's been out now. We can just talk pip the entire time and I'll just hold the book. It's actually probably a better way of yeah. people buying it if I just talk pip while holding the book in the interview the entire time. So people like can just go and get it. Somewhere. Does any scenario in which Kevin Kisner finishing ahead of Max Homa makes sense to you? Do you know more about this calculation than we do? Um, I don't. And it makes sense because it doesn't make sense, if that makes sense. So, and the reason why I say that is, does my dad know who Max Homa is? He doesn't. He doesn't. My dad doesn't know who Max Homa is. Does my dad know who who Kevin Kisner is? I I don't know that either. But you know what? Kiz was rolling with, you know, there are some people out. Brian Harmon had a gallery this past week at RSM. I kept, you know, they get the Georgia tie-in. I mean, there's a lot of people that like golf in this country, I guess. I don't understand the Kiz over Hideki or anybody over Hideki. Hideki should be top five if there's some sort of international measurement here, but it feels very Americanized in how we're measuring those numbers. And hey, if Scotty Scheffler could just get himself a TikTok account, he goes up to like fourth, right? I mean, but so he cost himself a couple million by not being on the gram. Is that what we're learning well, from does, these he, numbers? He needs more. He needs more photos with that. Uh, remember that nine foot um, painting that he got from the yeah Barkle Water that. Company, yeah. Waterloo. That's what we need. There's a bunch of Waterloo's everywhere. That was that was bizarre. Or uh, shirtless with Sam Burns, like he needs th- to do that like 20 times a year, and then you'll be up to fifth instead of sixth. I mean, I'm thinking that's what we're learning here is that you just need a little social. So the thing about Shuffler. The Sam Burns Scheffler pick, he's Scheffler's really skinny, but I always thought he was like heavy because he wears uh, shirts that are like four sizes too big. <laughs> but he's not; he's like thin. I I did that in high school baseball. Is either like he's just like my dad? He wears a size shirt size too big, isn't on social <laughs> and likes doing chores around the house. Like I mean, he's my father. That's a, that's who Scotty Scheffler is. I, I wore a jersey in high school baseball that was four sizes too big, so I get hit more often. It just droops. It just you know droops over the plate. Those inside pitches, Nick. Yeah, who, who who used to do that? That was that was somebody used to wear a massive Manny. Manny used to have a huge jersey, but he had it unbuttoned. I mean, that thing was yeah. gaping open. So any he, any high heat, the wind by it would make that thing flutter, and boom, take your base. Manny was like Harry Higgs before Harry Higgs. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I've had a lot of Harry Higgs this fall. I've interviewed Harry Higgs three times this fall. Big beautiful playing some golf on Thursdays and Fridays. Yeah, he had a good he had a good well, he had some good rounds. I don't know if he had a good overall fall, but played yeah, well no. in Bermuda, started out well at RSM. Um it's good to see. It'd be great if he was if he had a big year. He's a great interview as well. Always really gives good. always gives some thoughtful stuff. All right, well, um, to add to your resume, to add to the accolades now published author. How about that? The science of golf available right now. Go, go. It's on Amazon right now and go get it. And this is, um, 
it covers a lot, wide ranging. We get into yeah. some specifics in a second, but how, what, the, the conception of this, how do we go from your brain to now me physically holding this up in my hand right now? You know, uh, it makes me realize as you hold it and you, I think about the work that I put into the book and then Kyle and all the stuff that he's done to make normal sport that I need to start actually paying attention to fun things and not technical stuff because <laughs> our books are a little vastly different and it means that <laughs> there's way more entertainment in Kyle world of covering golf than there is in my world of covering golf no um i joke uh, it was uh I, I had a podcast for four years it's called the perfect number and when i got rid of it a couple of years ago because let's be honest there's a billion podcasts out there and i was just kind of tired of chasing down guests who are kind of all over the map and doing things this sort of fell on my lap and it's part of a science of series there's a science of basketball a science of football science of hockey is coming out early next year there's even been science of non-sports related things that the, the particular publisher has put out and kind of just friend of a friend said, Hey, Will's a golf guy. That's kind of interested in some of these things. And so I'm approaching 10 years of, you know, broadcasting golf on the PGA tour and whether it's that sport or any other sort of sport, I've always been kind of a, attracted to advanced statistics and analytics. And so that was my first sort of foray into doing a podcast. And then within that, you start to learn in the game of golf, especially covering on the PGA tour, how many of these different factors of the game, the best players in the world are investing in to be the best. And they're all very scientific in nature. And so when someone, so I was curious, I was learning about it. I was meeting a lot of people. You're talking to guys that are within the teams of some of these top players. And you're just sort of picking up little nuggets here and there about technology and psychology and agronomy and all the ways that the game has really exploded and grown from a scientific standpoint in the last quarter century. And so I tried to put it into a book. And I'll admit, I've told you this, Rick, privately, like I, the first couple of weeks that I was starting to write it, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to discover something awesome that no one knows about. I'm going to put it in this book. And then I realized that I really wasn't that smart. And so I had to find as many experts. And so it's a very technical and and tactical sort of book with a lot of people who are way smarter than me, like literal PhDs and doctors of sports medicine and sports science and all these different things that are in this book. Um, and I tried to provide a sort of a 10,000 foot view of all of the things that could be scientific in, let's be honest, probably the most scientific sport there is. I think uh, whenever I am asking Mark Brody for like the hundredth time what uh, to explain strokes gain to me again. That's when I realized I didn't have anything to add to the conversation. As yeah. it, as, as he's it in the book, we just quote him. That's it. It's just that's the entire <laughs> the entire chapter on advanced statistics is just Mark Brody. You know, I'm like, can you? But but can you explain it again to me? Um, <laughs> I'm curious, Will, about you mentioned just your desire to kind of learn more. Was there was there a was there a background in terms of like math or stats or was it like some of what got me and Rick, I think, into some of the stats world is base just growing up playing baseball, yeah. following baseball. What was it for you that engendered kind of this interest into the analytical uh, kind of like different number side of the game? Did you guys have Stratomatic, by the way? Did you play with your cards as baseball kids, baseball fans? Do you remember that? Yeah, they, they, they have a new version of that now that's like I was I was going to buy it again. <laughs> Yeah, I I love that. I, I loved rolling the dice and hitting the occasional triple when you roll box cars. Um, no, I uh, yeah, I I think look, I we all grew up playing sports. You know, I I grew up playing a lot of different sports. Golf happened to be the sport I ended up being the best at. And but in all of the sports that I covered, especially when you got to high level college, professional, in certain places, the only way I really ever felt comfortable connecting and talking to coaches or athletes about their sport is to 
frame it within the sort of statistical advanced sort of metrics that you can measure things. And so you have to understand context. You know, we're all guilty in of, at some point in time of maybe throwing out a stat without really looking into the context of how true that might be. So to answer your question, like I think I've always been math adjacent like it's always been a big, you know, it was my best subject as a student, you know, so I've always loved that idea of math, but using it as a means to bridge the gap between somebody who I, I think I know a little bit about some of these sports. I definitely know more about other sports than some, but I've broadcast 14 different sports. And if all of a sudden I can read something about so-and-so's statistical trends and it feels like it informs me, it, it informs a better question to a coach that I'm talking to in advance of a tournament I'm going to call, then that was always kind of the crutch that I leaned on. And so, yeah, it's always been kind of an easy place for me to go to learn about whatever the sport is that I happen to cover. And now that 90% of my sports broadcasting portfolio is in golf, I guess you could say I'm, I'm pretty heavily invested in it. And, and you guys know, I mean, you sit here and you're churning out hours and hours of content a week. And while it's still humans that are pulling the putter back or trying to hit the club, which is what makes it the most fascinating, like I'm still more fascinated by probably psychology and those guys getting it across the finish line than anything else. You know, if you're going to talk about it intelligently these days, especially at the PGA Tour level, you better have at least a 100 level understanding of a lot of these concepts, because yeah. let's be honest, all of those athletes out there right now know it, too, or at least their teams do. A lot of these guys mm -hmm. aren't in the weeds, but they have people that are definitely in the weeds for them. And it certainly helps to have good conversations you can walk up and down the range and there are people that know a lot of stuff that's in this book and you can have a really fun conversation about how it's making Scotty Scheffler the number one player in the world or something like that. Yeah. yeah. The, real Sorry. quick, Rick, I think the two, you use the word crutch. I, I, I would say kind of, the, yeah, the two things that you can easily lean on in golf just to start talking to players about are stats and numbers and then equipment. And if yeah. you, if, if you engage them on those two things, they'll, they'll say, anything, you know, and I think it's, I think it's cool because it's a gateway to talk about other stuff that they're, maybe they're less willing to talk about, like psychology, sure. like how they feel, you know, on the last few holes of a tournament when they're leading stuff. That it's, it's hard to lead with that, yeah. but stuff like this can be a, a good gateway into talking about everything else. One of the best conversations I ever had was, it was actually on my podcast. And I don't think it made the book, but Josh Gregory, who works with a ton of, mm -hmm. of players out there all the time. And he was, and maybe still is working with Adam Long. And he and I had a conversation about Adam Long's progression as a player, where he wants to go. And he's very realistic. Like He doesn't expect himself to ever be a top 10 player in the world, right? But what he can be is better than 120th or whatever he might actually be right now in the world rankings. And so what is that? Is that a 10th of a shot per round? You know, I mean, we're talking, you know, infinitesimal sort of yeah. gains that can be made. Well, where can that be made? How do they look into it? How do you then dive into the advanced numbers? Then technically speaking, what is it that he's doing that can improve that? Is it gaining five yards off the tee or is it tidying up 40 to 75 yard wedge shots? Like what's the most realistic pathway for them to get a 10th of a shot better? Because that 10th of a shot over the course of the season means 15 extra spots in the FedEx cup standings, which equals you know, career solid, you know, a, you know, career salvation or more money or whatever it might mm. sort of be. And these guys are breaking it down to that level. And then that's to your point, right? Then it leads to a conversation. Now, if I just walked up to Adam Long on the range and I was like, hey, you had negative two strokes gained approach last week. Why do your irons suck, bro? Like, then that's, that's a crappy way to start a conversation with somebody because there's, I have no context there. But if I'm like, hey, I heard that you're just trying to get 
maybe a quarter of a shot better over the next two or three years. Walk me through what that process is and where you are right now. And those guys would be like, yeah, like this is really cool. Like, yeah. I mean, trying to get something out of Adam Svensson this past weekend was difficult. He's not a big chatty guy, but he won after completely rededicating himself, going from working on golf six hours a day to working on golf 10, 12 hours a day. I'm fascinated by what that is. And I think these guys are fascinated too to to share some of that with you. Cause let's be honest, it's their life. Like they're they want if they're working hard at it, they want to brag about what they're working hard at. And I think you can have mm-hmm. a really good human conversation with somebody and it doesn't have to be robotic or nerdy or whatever it you know, people get bashed for. Like, oh, I don't want to hear about those stupid stats. Like, no, like all of these guys are thinking about them. Rory McIlroy is thinking about his stats. JT is literally making goals with his yeah. stats in mind. Like these guys are into all of this stuff. Rick, who was it that earlier this year said that guys don't look at strokes gain? Do you remember that? Was it a former player? I think it was Steve Elkins. I think it was too. I'm pretty sure I muted and blocked and reported him on Twitter after that. And it was like, really? Because that's all they talk about. That's like, you know, like to Will's point, that's that's maybe like, not the player themselves. Like again, high level players have eight, nine, ten guys in their team between agents and yeah, coaches and stuff. Yeah. And a lot of those guys are diving into it. So some of them don't want to be told or don't want to know it, but I can promise you that their instructor is starting to work mm-hmm. on things differently yeah. because of what they're seeing. Uh, the caddies engage in the conversations of like, okay, we need to start taking better strategies or taking these type of lines off of tees. It, it's it's completely changed how this works. It's in the book. Like Ben Crane talks about it. He says the number one change in professional golf of the last decade, decade and a half is because there's so much money these guys can invest in teams. And so you literally have an individual and there's 10 chapters in this book. Nine of them deal with nine different scientific areas. And some of the best players in the world live literally have a person on the payroll for all nine of these different things, which is, it's kind of crazy to think about uh, when it goes, when you break it down. Yeah. Contact body in motion, powertrain, data and decisions, the ball, the club. What I like about the chaptering while we're talking about that, Will, is um, I can go back and just like reread a chapter. Right. Yes. Like I, which I've done power trade. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to need to read I that. I still don't know again. what's happening in that. I, <laughs> oh no, that's the, that's the exercise one. Sorry. Body in motion. I've read 15 times. I still don't know what I wrote. Like, I mean, yeah. the, how the body moves in sequence <laughs> is a scientific discovery that is so crazy in the timing of it and the kinematic sequence. Like it's, it's a lot. It's a heavy chapter. Chapter two is definitely a chapter to be meant to be read when you're sober. Like it, it you gotta be, you gotta which is really the one to read on. while you're, while you're most inebriated. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash first. Again, 
Not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out, viore.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order, plus free shipping. Um, the ball. <laughs> yes, read the ball all over most of them. It's just the ball. Like it's, it goes six. farther now. Yeah, it goes farther. <laughs> well, that's that's what I also think is is so interesting, and I think this book will um, kind of also be a moment in time, right? Because all of this is constantly changing, yes. whether it's a year or five or 10 or whatever. Now this book now marks a moment in time and there's going to be constant discoveries. There's going to be new technology. There's going to be better ways to do things, things that they think they're doing great right now that we're going to laugh at in a decade like that going through and and, and you kind of laid it out at some points too. what has already evolved. And the continuation of that is, is fascinating. Yeah. Tiger really started a lot of this. I mean, it's, it's actually crazy. Tiger Woods came along at the time that the equipment was changing at a revolutionary way too, which is crazy because then all of a sudden the highest level of the game gets this influx of cash while we're also seeing the entire way the sport is played change because of how the ball is constructed and how the driver was constructed. And so that has created this perfect storm of all of this stuff to kind of spiral out. So a majority of the book sort of deals with mid nineties until now, because this last quarter century is truly the, the scientific sort of revolution within the game itself. But you're right. While there's a lot of concepts, like how the ball flies is a, is a law of physics that doesn't change, like how we make the golf ball changes. So there's elements of it that I like to think you can put this on your bookshelf and go back and sort of look at. But like one of my biggest regrets of writing this book is when I was writing it, the carbon wood tailor-made driver was coming out and it's a fan. It's a phenomenal scientific 20 year process of how that driver came to be. And now I read it and I'm like, well, crap, like in February, they're going to be rolling out another driver. Like it's already, you know, it's already going to be a sort of obsolete in many ways, respects of its technology, but I was so kind of fascinated by it. And I'm not a big equipment guy that I was just, I was so immersed in the press release of how it came to be that I was like, oh, this is a cool thing to talk about. And you're right. Here I am now, November, I started writing the book about this time a year ago. And I'm like, oh man, there's probably another driver or a new wedge (laughs) grind coming out next year that completely adds on to something that's in here. So if enough people buy it, I guess volume two will come out and we'll do carbon wood 2.0 or Vokey design 3.7 or whatever it is that'll be i'm not an equipment nerd so i, I don't it's not my area necessarily well, i'm i'm curious well about what the like there's so many different things that when you start 
researching and talking to people, jumping into them, you're like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't think of this that way. What was the thing that, whether maybe it was equipment that you changed your, your mind on the most or, or that your that your sort of ideology around shifted the most as you kind of put all this together? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if the book process itself changed my mind a lot. Cause again, a lot of this stuff was content I already had from the podcast. I think if there's anything that's changed in my mind, it's, wherever you stand in the debate of bifurcate, roll it back, don't roll it back. I think the more I talk to people who work in the architecture space, the design space, the agronomy space, and I hear just kind of uh, the tree hugger in me, here's the the resource drain that you know golf courses are and trying to figure out how to make the game still viable at all levels. I think that's probably the one place where I change because I, I don't have a, I, don't, I won't say I draw my, a line in the sand when it comes to it, but I'm way more open to looking at ways to roll things back just for the sake of the sport at large. So I think that would be the one thing in my whole scientific journey of this that I've changed. Cause I was always a farther longer, whatever, like, come on, I want the sport to be as easy as possible. I don't care about scoring records. Like it's all about human advancement. Let's just go. And I, I feel like I've developed a lot more sympathy for the idea of what golf courses will look like, not just at the professional ranks, but all the way sort of down because of that trickle down Mm -hmm. effect. So I think that's the one place where the more people I've talked to in that arena, the more sensitive and I guess empathetic I've gotten to that plight. And so um, I would say that the most fascinating thing I learned I didn't know going into this was the psychology chapter. There's an entire thing and I won't spoil all of it in there, but literally how to turn off one side of your brain or balance Mm -hmm. both sides of them together and some science that was done by a doctor by the name of Debbie Cruz out at Arizona State who we went back and forth and I actually couldn't get her specifically on the record. So I had to source a lot of it from stuff that she'd done with other people. Um, That to me was the most fascinating. And it's still probably the thing that most fascinates me now is the psychology aspect of it. So there's a lot of Morikawa. There's a lot of Phil winning the PGA in this book. And it all sort of ties into literal brainwave studies that are going on to determine how to most optimize your mind to think before you swing a golf club. And that to me is like, holy cow, we've really arrived at this point in time where we're measuring brainwaves and which side of your brain is activated to make the best golf swing. that, That to me is crazy. Yeah, I, I, it is crazy, but I also think some of it makes sense because, you know, you're mentioning earlier, if you if you can make up a tenth of a shot per round, how much is that yeah. worth over the course of a year? That's worth hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars. Yeah. And so anything that gets at that, I think, is um, players are going to pursue. The distance thing, the equipment thing, I mean, this is very timely. I just wrote an article today about the 13th at Augusta and how it's, it's been pushed back. Um, looks weird. Whatever. It does look weird. Um, it got pushed back at 40 yards, 30 yards, yeah. 60 yards. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know what the measurement is there, but you know, I was thinking about how, okay, like nobody, nobody cares that Augusta had to spend 25 million. I, I don't know. 40 million, 10, you can tell me any number and I believe it (laughs) because they have the money. Right. But like, that's true of like three organizations, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so I think a lot about preserving the game for 50 years from now. And I, I, I too have kind of flipped on the, on the equipment and distance thing. Um, just, and it goes for me, the line goes back to probably the 2020 U S open when Bryson just 
destroyed wing foot and it's like what are we, what are we doing you know and can you even go back to wing foot do you have to make a do you have to meld the east and west course together to make 18 yeah. holes that are playable in 30 years from now so i i agree with you that my mind has kind of shifted on that over the last couple of years as well i i would counter and i think this is more data and analytics driven i think the course setup at winged foot put it into the hands of someone like Bryson. I don't think that that golf course isn't playable. I think we can set the golf course up in a different way, but this idea that we pinch fairways and grow the rough up is going to, you know, eliminate bombers advantages. Well, that's just not true. We have to actually took the rough down, widen things and tighten the areas around the greens. Then I think we actually give ourselves a better chance of seeing a wider field have an advantage. And I do put in the book, and I think we know this, the longest player is going to win no matter what, most mm-hmm. of the time over the course of an average, like Jack wasn't below average in length. Greg Norman wasn't below average in length. Seve was sw- swinging out of his shoes. Like the best players of all time move the golf ball relative to who they are. The question is, do we have less players of, of a variety today or has that knowledge sort of moved you know, the, the, the percentages, I guess, of how players choose to play it. To me, it was when Bryson's like, oh, I can go over the trees and play 13 from 14 at Augusta. It was like, wait a second. Now, we've, now I feel like we're losing kind of the sight of where things need to go. But let's be honest, though, how that golf hole is constructed right now, do you know who has the greatest advantage now with that team you want to live at? Rory, because he can still probably rip driver around the corner a little bit. Like, yeah. He hits a draw and he hits it farther than anybody else and Bubba. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. Well, I want to continue this conversation, but we do have to pay the bills for a second. So we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. Will, um, what's the ideal takeaway from this right everybody everybody picks this up on amazon they go through 160 some odd pages they put it down what are you hoping their reaction or their takeaways are from this book i just hope they learn something like i I viewed this book as just a culmination of my own sort of learning journey and i tried to keep all opinion out of it i think you can certainly glean ideas from subject matters about where the sport is and and maybe what we've learned about how the sport is played from it. But it's, while I always envisioned someday writing a book and I thought it'd be a little bit more emotive and more narrative in nature, it's a very technical book. And so I, I hope it's viewed as a reference. And mm. look, we all play to whatever our skill levels 
sort of are. We all watch golf in some way and try and engage with that. Do I expect someone to pick up this book and dive into every single chapter and invest in whatever that might be in your own particular game? No, because you know why? You'd be exhausted to try and do it. <laughs> so maybe it's one level or one element of something that you didn't pay that close attention to that you learn a little something about and it helps in whatever you want it to help with your enjoyment of watching the game or your enjoyment in playing the game. And I've said this a million times, like I'm a hypocrite. I'm a feel player. I like going out. I like listening to music. I don't care about the psychological disadvantages of four trulies in my system when I'm, you know, playing golf. I don't like, I just want to go out mostly have a good time and maybe get better in some areas. Do I grind over every shot with strategy, wit club, like my fitness, like all this other sort of stuff, like how my, my ground force reaction, like all these things like, no, because that would be exhausting to me as a recreational player. So but there's elements that I realize in here in my head. So, yeah, to answer your question, like I just want people to to just take something to learn from it. It's not a hard read. And so I think it's, it's easy to pick up and put down and come back to. And I hope that, you know, they learn something like I did in this journey. That's made my interaction with the sport, both professionally and recreationally more enjoyable and a little bit more, I think, fulfilling. What was the hardest part for you? Just going through the writing process, the book writing process, putting the book together process really from beginning to end. Cause I think that, I mean, I'm sort of at the end of it right now and, and you're like, this is, this is absurd. Like this is an yeah. absurd process. And I think that when people, I mean, I do this when I pick up a book and read it, I'm like, Oh, it's cool. Somebody like wrote down some words and I get to read them. And you're yeah. and like on the other side of it, you're like, this, this, how do books ever get made? So what, what for you do you, did you feel like was the most difficult thing? making sure I didn't get something wrong and I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that there isn't something wrong in there. If you and I, if any of us said something factually inaccurate right now on this podcast and it became a viral moment tomorrow it's easy for us to edit that podcast or post a new podcast tomorrow or post content that immediately absolves us of the the factual inaccuracy that we just said i can't change anything in this book right now so like i've already seen some i think i used the wrong verb in like chapter three like i used a verb that's completely wrong like i just wrote the wrong verb and i've had someone like hate on it in a review somewhere and i'm like wow uh, i can't change it like you're right you're absolutely right that is the absolute wrong word that i used in that moment and i can live with that because i'm really a broadcaster that's writing a book right like i like i'm not a i'm, ho I'm not trying to get a, a pulitzer out of this deal i'm just putting down what i've learned in word and i hope that it at least flows in a way that people like but yeah my biggest my biggest struggle in this one was going back, double checking, making sure I understood concepts that, to be honest, some of them I 100% don't totally get. And so, you know, when I'm transcribing quotes from people and listening to them, I'm like, I hope this is what like the, the concept is here. And so far, so good. Like, knock on wood, no one's reached out. You know, who, you know who did reach out? Mark Immelman reached out because he read something wrong. And I'm doing, I'm cleaning up leaves two weeks ago. No, and zero he's like, surprises. And here. he's like, hey, uh, hey, um, there's a clock reference that Lee Trevino in the first chapter. And I don't understand. Like, when you say mm -hmm. seven o'clock, you mean here. And he says it the opposite way. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, no, 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 no. It's supposed to be here. And I run inside, pick up the book. I'm like flipping to it. I see it. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, what page are you on? And he sends me a text back. And no, he had just 
it got crossed in his brain and I was like, Oh my God, I was freaking out. Like the book had been out for like two days and Emmelman's reaching out to me like, Hey, I think you're talking about the wrong side of the golf ball here. And then he's like, no, 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 I got it wrong in my visual. You're all good. And I'm like, Oh my God. So that's, that's still my fear. I'm sure there's something in here that's can be gleaned wrong, but man, that would be my biggest fear. It's just, I got something actually wrong. Like, what am I supposed to do about that? Uh, my thought when I hit a golf ball is I'm always trying to hit it at seven o'clock is the, is the quotes on page, uh, eight. Then he goes on much longer than that. Uh, when I saw that, when I saw that Mark was, was quoted in this, I almost just, I almost just burned the whole thing. There's a lot of Mark Immelman in this book. There's a lot. There is a lot. (laughs) Uh, so good. So listen, here's what it is. It's the science of golf. You can get it on Amazon, uh, right now. I've used it already as uh, a great resource. I like the technical stuff. I like the idea that I can take a little nugget and then go do more research or I can have just, just ruminate on it for, a couple of days or a couple of weeks and I can go back to the bookshelf and grab it and 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 keep diving into this. So for me, this is kind of the perfect reference and, and right up my alley. Will, is there anything else that we didn't get to that you think is worth discussing? It's your book, man. It's your time. Let's do it. I appreciate it. I mean, I think this is the gift giving season, right? So I have to give yeah. the whole marketing push. If you have anybody in your life that's into golf, I think this does speak to a pretty broad audience within the sport. So even if you're not watching the guys on tour, you know, maybe you're just interested in learning a little bit about how different grasses are grown or react. I mean, there's an entire chapter on agronomy. So in terms of this stuff, no, I mean, I lead with the chapter on contact, literally just contact with the golf ball and how that's a very, 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 very short period of time, but it's so important. And to me, the most scientifically important discovery in the game of golf was the advent of launch monitors over the last 20, 25 years. So I led with that. I think the more people understand sort of the causation of how golf happens, the easier it is to sort of flow through this book and flow through an understanding of the game. And so I think if there's anything that we didn't necessarily talk about, it's that if there was one opinion, I guess I had, it's sort of how I laid out the book, because in my opinion, the most important science to the sport is how we've sort of reverse engineered how it's taught in modern, the modern game. Immelman's a big part of that chapter for that reason, because he's the one that kind of sparked that idea in me. But we now look at the swing backwards you know, what's happening to the ball is the swing to the ball. And I think it's it, it's just now starting to have a trickle down effect to the golfers that we see at the highest levels, because up until 15, 20 years ago, you didn't have instructors that were dealing with that sort of data. And so I think you're actually going to see a change in how guys look. I mean, I was just out in Scottsdale doing this thing with Patrick Welch, one of the college players who plays for Oklahoma, and he swings cross-handed. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. And he and I were having this conversation and he's like, I've been doing it my whole life. People hate on me all the time on Instagram. Like I get all the haters that are like, I can't believe that you do this. And I said, yeah, but you've been validated every step of the way by technology and people who understand technology to know that if your numbers are okay, then keep doing it. It's what feels most comfortable to you. And there's no, I a hundred percent believe that there is no chance that Patrick Welch is an all American college golfer 40 years ago, swinging that way. <laughs> Someone would have completely broken him of that before he got to the level that he is today. But I think our scientific advancements have allowed somebody like that to exist at the highest levels of the amateur game right now. Uh, Patrick will have his own chapter in the next book. Sorry, Kyle. Yeah. My, <laughs> my, my nine or my eight year old son swings cross-handed and JT started out swinging cross-handed yes. when he was, when he was a kid. So I have not corrected him. Maybe he'll stop. Maybe he won't, but what, by the way, a chapter 
be, there being a chapter on how grass grows is a very normal sport thing. Like that's, <laughs> that's preposterous. That's completely uh, Real quick, Rick, I wanted to ask you, this is sort of related to the book, but it doesn't have to be something from the book. Just what's your favorite stat in golf? Not like a specific oh. tiger stat or anything like that, but just what is your favorite category, statistical category? Oh boy. Um, it's not, it's not putts per round because, as we were talking about context, I was thinking about <laughs> Cam stat. Smith's of the eighteen horrible eighteen yeah. putts tying the record, and that being a thing, and it wasn't even like I'll defend like total feet like of putts though. I like I like total feet of putts, even though that can you can have outliers there, but I like that it's an easy one to have a conversation with non-strokes gain people about. Uh, okay, so I, I I believe that the the kind of thought process and the acceptance of strokes gained total by round is, is phenomenal because of all the different conditions, conditions and courses. But I think the one that I, I like the most Kyle is a uh, good drive percentage, which is a stat that says, did you hit the fairway? If not, did you hit the green or the fringe in regulation? Essentially, did you put yourself in position off the tee to either find the fairway or still get to the green? And so that to me is like an actual it there's like six courses a year that I like it for a lot more like RBC Heritage, where you can be in the fairway, but boxed out from trees. I, I think that's a good stat. <laughs> so it's not greens and regulation. It's no. it, it's it's looking back at your drive or it's looking can, forward to have a, a driving stat. Which OK, yes, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. So, so it's like, basically, did you put yourself in a good enough position where you were still able to get to the green or the fringe in regulation? Yeah. I, that's interesting. I, <laughs> I didn't even know that was a stat, but that is there's a, a good lot. one. Yeah. There's a lot. I what's think, your, what's yours? Uh, probably strokes game ball striking. Yeah. I think it's like, I think it's a tell of like who the full-time hitters are, who the flushers are. And I just, I just think it's cool. Like, I think, it, I mean, as cool as like strokes gain statistics. <laughs> By the way, my, my parents one time asked me like, or my mom who played golf and was really good as an amateur. Um, she was like, I, I don't get strokes gained. What is it? <laughs> and like, <laughs> I tell myself that I understand it. And then when you have to explain it to somebody, you're like, I have no idea. Like, I don't, I have no idea what strokes gain is. You know, it, we know what the, it is, but it is hard to discuss. And I wrote my own. So I did my own page long. Here's a, a female player. Here's how she gained two tenths of a shot on this particular hole sort of thing. And Kyle, I must have read it like six times back to myself. I was like, yeah. okay, no, wait a second. Does that count? And I got to go backwards because some yeah. of it's backwards thinking, you know, we know what the putting stats are. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times then the strokes gain approach stat, it isn't necessarily it, it is working backwards from the likelihood of hole out shots. Once you get onto the actual green and then driving is more of a average score from location sort of thing. It's a, it's a, it's not as simple as X plus Y plus Z gets you strokes gain total on that hole. Because a lot of yeah. times it's, well, where you ended up then makes this data point, which then adds to this data point. And that's how we get back to some of these things. And um, we, we have to get better at strokes gain around the green. You know, a 30-foot shot out of the rough is not the same as a 30-foot shot out of the rough on whatever the hole is. But there's just no way of 
quantifying some of those shots sometimes, but it was hard. Like it was hard for me to, I know what it means and I'm still writing this hypothetical. Here's this person and here's how she gained strokes. And I had to read it four times. Like, did I get the math right? Did I, yeah. And then I eventually just sent it to Brody and I was like, please, is, is this right? And he didn't yeah. say it was help, wrong. So I guess help, it's help an accurate me. spot. It's an accurate part of the book. Well, it's like when my kids ask me like, how does the toilet work? And you're like, well, you know the you push Gravity. the and you push the thing and then the the there's like a plunger thing and then you're like I have no idea like I have no idea how toilet you works. do but you don't like it, there's the thing and the water goes down and there's gravitational pull on it. but what what triggers the water dingy ling to put water no. back in the bowl? like that's what I don't know like last time last time there was that? a toilet running I was like wait is it supposed to be full right now or is it not supposed to be full right now like I didn't know which which state it was no, no supposed clue. to be yeah. in to know if I no. was getting closer to the correct state. And it's something that you've used every day of your life since you were like four. It's amazing. And if you go south of the equator, it spins the other direction in the bowl. Because yeah. I, I don't know the physics of that one either. There's got to be <laughs> – where's Neil deGrasse Tyson on that one? I got to figure out why that's happening. Uh, there are in. some pretty dirty official stats like the reverse bounce back. How often you make a bogey after making a birdie. Ooh. Ooh. Oh yeah, you don't want to be on the top of that list. I do uh, like bounce back. I don't really know if that is has any. We have a couple of players, ex players on our PJ Tour radio crew. They love that stat, and I'm always like, well, what does it mean? It's like, a very old school stat to love. Yes. Like, oh, this guy's got he's got grit. He <laughs> he's got gumption. He's got yeah, gumption. Yeah. He's so mad at making that bogey, he went and made birdie, and I was like, oh, or he okay. makes a lot of bogeys. Who right. Knows? Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. It's crazy. Uh, okay, gents. Absolute pleasure. As always, again, it's called The Science of Golf. You can get it on Amazon right now. I'm looking at it. I can get it where I live. I can get it tomorrow for free. I can actually get it overnight, Will. Amazon, mm. Jeff Jeff is taking good care of you. They can deliver this thing before you're done listening to this podcast. I'm doing signed book giveaways for Black Friday. So hit me up on Twitter at Will Haskett. I'll have a tweet. If you retweet it, we'll give a couple away signed um, for that one coming up on Friday. So that's at, my that's my Black Friday contribution to the world. Love it. At Will Haskett on Twitter, at Kyle Porter CBS on Twitter, at Rick Run Good on Twitter. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.